0: That you would move in this time and move us. But not just that, that you would move in many ways heaven and earth on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Christ all over this world we are experiencing today what in many ways we have absolutely no clue. Speak to our minds, speak to our hearts, speak to our hands to move. We look forward in this moment to join in you and them in the tasks you've called us to. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Today is International Day of Prayer. We're recognizing that for the persecuted church. Blessed are the persecuted. That's the theme. Of this this year and and we don't, especially in our country, think of persecution as being blessed. Rather we see it as being a bad thing and more than just a bad thing, we don't see it as being a glad thing. And yet our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world have a beyond this world perspective. That is so much different than the way we think here. But it is not different in the way jesus thinks about it for let's look at that passage that we just mentioned in matthew chapter 5 beginning in verse 10 blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when people insult you persecute you falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me how many of us most of us probably don't even experience some of those, but how many of us say that, oh, yeah, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. But it goes on Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is not just something that affects a few Christians in a few countries, but it goes much wider than that. More than 200 million Christians in the world today do not have full human rights and are under severe persecution. More than 400 million Christians have a loss of basic rights and the freedom restricted because just because they are Christians. The untold shocking untold story of our time is that more Christians have died this past century and and we're talking Uh, not just in the 21st, but go back to the 20th and beyond, that more have died in the first 19 centuries after the birth of Christ than before. They have been persecuted, martyred before an unknown, indifferent world in a largely silent Christian community. The aim this year is to call the global church to pray for our brothers and sisters so they may know that they are blessed when they face persecution because of righteousness, and that they would not lose heart, knowing that their reward in heaven is great. We're joined with so many different scriptural mandates that are calling to us, like the one here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. So part of this message this morning, what's going to take place is a time where we can pray. We can join with them and to pray a little later. Pray with, uh, if it's just yourself, that's fine. But those that you came with or just for us even in a little bit, we'll gather in some small groups to be able to pray together for this. Because we believe God answers prayer. And there is a need. And the need is not just to pray today but to persevere in prayer beyond this day. so let's let's think about this. Who are the persecuted? Who are the persecuted? Imagine being imprisoned, beaten, or even worse, killed if a Bible was found in your home. Imagine worshiping in a church service that you know could be bombed at any moment. Imagine being denied education or a job and struggling to survive all because of Jesus. Discrimination and persecution take many forms, being an outcast from society, verbally, physically abused, slandered, wrongly accused, being coerced to change your faith, abducted, forcibly married, imprisoned, and even martyred. And besides the direct persecution that takes place, violence of imprisonment, of death, there are many Christians who become exiles They become exiles out of the country, displaced from their homes. Up here is a a map just showing many of the different places. Just this is, uh, as you see, many of that, Middle East, Afghanistan, China, all that, where many have just had to flee and go so many different places out of their home, out of their, uh, not just the home, but out of their country. All because of their faith. Add to this, over the last couple of years, COVID complications. We think we have COVID complications. Life was already challenging for many of the Christians in third world countries. Already it was difficult to survive daily in a normal life. But when you add persecution in that Christians get every day, each hour becomes a battle just to survive and struggle. And more than that, it's a struggle against the forces of evil. In those countries where faith in Christ was restricted or outlawed, all that happened was that COVID restrictions just gave a greater opportunity for even more heavy-handed persecution to take place. And it was blamed on COVID. Well, we have to do this because of COVID. Or some of our brothers and sisters got persecuted in a way that blame them for COVID. You see what our country's having to go through. It's the Christians who are doing this. It's their faith. Is their belief in this Jesus that's causing this to take place? They're being scapegoats, which isn't really new. You go back all the way to Emperor Nero in Rome. Most of Rome burned, and he blamed the Christians. That was a good one to try to do and everyone turned against them fueling hate not just discrimination but physical attacks in other countries their situation was worse during a shutdown of businesses and isolation of christians let's face it christians in these countries already face financial hardships They already faced discrimination in the workplace. In fact, some weren't even allowed. They lost their jobs because they were Christians. They lost support of their family or their tribe or wherever they were at. They didn't have that. But many of these believers, God provided another way, and they found support for themselves, even though they were cut off by everyone else. They found that support. But what happened then was during the shutdown, even what little bit that they had just to survive, Was taken away. The persecutions in in that country meant that. Even though non-Christians. During that time of COVID. And shutdown and all that took place in these countries. Non-Christians could go get basic government aid. Or go to certain agencies in a village. Christians were not allowed to get food. Or other aid. Even some that had legitimate food ration cards. They would go up. And those food ration cards were taken from them and just torn up. Right there. The isolation that took part here and took part there has a whole new meaning. You see, while some here might have seen at least part of the isolation as something that was quieter and a simpler life, Unfortunately for persecuted Christians, often they ended up isolating, being locked down with others who opposed their faith, even in their own family. Causing dangerous situations. Causing uh, abusive situations, especially for women and children. Because of COVID, uh, before COVID, let's put it this way, before COVID, they were at least able to get out of the house and work. They were at least able for part of the time to kind of get away from that constant abuse. But when you're not allowed to go out, you're going to get shot if you go outside. You're stuck inside where all it wasn't much different. Not to mention during COVID, there was an increase in kidnapping, forcible conversions, forced marriage of women and girls. It was already happened, but it just happened at a greater rate because during the lockdown, the presence of authorities, even some authorities that would limit something, were not there to be found. Today, one out of every eight Christians live in a country where they suffer some form of persecution. It's hard to get complete data, at least hard data on this kind of thing, because you figure some of these countries are closed. It's not like they're going to share. Oh, yeah, we kill this many Christians every year. You know, it's, it's something that just goes, uh, something that they share. And yet, there are ways that, at a very minimum, at a very minimum, you saw it on the screen earlier, a very minimum, what was found to be reported. And this is just that which is reported from, let's say, October 2019 to September 2020. And this is at the very lowest, low, low estimates. Every day, on an average, 13 Christians were violently killed for their faith. Twelve churches or Christian buildings were burned or attacked every day. Twelve Christians were unjustly arrested or imprisoned. Five were abducted. Meanwhile, we've got less specific statistics out there as well, just dealing with death that has been caused by persecution to Christians because of their faith. And I want us to really just grasp, in a sense, the severity of this and, in a sense, what we have that we take for granted. We've been told to remember those in prison. But here's the thing. Over 90,000 Christians have been killed in the past year which equates to one death every six minutes. At the very least, this service is going to go an hour. (laughs) That's not a surprise for some of you. And yet in an hour, ten Christians, in the hour that we're here, ten Christians will have been killed for their faith. Daniel, it's not his real name, but Daniel, lives in a camp for displaced people. He's a refugee from his own country. He was forced to flee his home in the area of Nigeria, northeastern Borno, when he was attacked. Not just him, but they came in coming to attack Christians. More than 150 people were killed in the, inta- in the attack. Daniel's three sons, who were aged 7 to 14 at the time, were all shot dead. His father was beheaded. His wife was abducted and, as he learned later, forcibly, forcibly married off to a Muslim. Daniel managed to escape and flee to a state capital. He now lives in a camp of people who have fled violence. Life is not easy in the camp. The NGOs come with, with with supplies, and somehow they survive that day. And by the grace of God, despite all that he's been through, Daniel remains firm in his faith. He says, "I have surrendered my life to Christ." Let's watch another video about the World Watch List that is put out. I'll talk more about this
1: the desert a never-ending wilderness barren and desolate but even here if you look closely there's life to be found these are yucca brevifolia better known as the joshua tree this single tree could be hundreds, even thousands of years old. And that's because what you see is only part of the story. Underground, there's a massive network of roots going down to water, pulling that water out of the ground and storing it in the tree, keeping the tree alive, resilient to the desert wasteland. In the world today, one in eight Christians are discriminated against, oppressed, even attacked. Just because they follow Jesus, they are desperate voices crying out in a dry land. When I became a Christian, my village turned against me. I no longer belong. In China, the government installed facial recognition cameras in our sanctuary. That camera can gather the private data of our church members. They will intimidate them, it will prevent them from going to church. We know
2: from this year's World Watch List that 340
1: million Christians live in places around the world where they are discriminated against or persecuted because of their faith in Jesus. That number is hard to imagine, hard to get your mind around. But we know that God is faithful. In the book of Isaiah, God tells his people, I will make new ways in the wilderness and rivers in the desert.
3: In midst of persecution, churches are growing more. Through the persecution, God is making the church grow. We are so united together like never before.
1: We have a revival in our church, even in the severe
2: persecution.
1: God has sent a river into the wilderness, and his people are resilient. Like the Joshua tree, they're living boldly in the desert. And they depend upon the church, the roots of his family, for water and support.
2: They are so encouraged by Christians from America. Pray for them, really care for them. It's like a body of Christ.
1: When you read the 2021 World Watch List and let it touch your heart, When you commit to pray for your brothers and sisters who are persecuted around the world for their faith, you're helping God make rivers in the desert and helping his children to stand strong for him. The
3: prayer is the core.
2: When you don't know anything, just pray. When you don't understand anything, pray. You will understand.
1: Open Doors has been called into this work. To strengthen God's people in the desert and to help them overcome the odds. Will you join us?
0: So, we looked at who are the persecuted, but who are the persecutors? We've recently seen that opposition, even persecution, comes from all sorts of different angles, such as the kidnapping of 17 missionaries in Haiti in October, and as far as I know, they haven't been released. It wasn't necessarily directly religious persecution, but what it was was directly targeting, not Americans, because if you look at what's happened in that country, it's targeting Christians, in part because they think they can get money from those, but it's targeting of Christians. Think about the video that we just saw, and it talked about in China, and I'm I'm guessing that this is within registered churches, not in the underground church in China, but in registered churches. Uh, we saw about the uh, facial recognition cameras in their churches, and unfortunately, in us in America, our thoughts automatically go to. Well, that's government overreach, which just goes to show us how much we really don't get it, if that's what we think that is. Because we're so focused on our own little narratives in our own little world. What you saw about those cameras had nothing to do with government overreach. It had really nothing to do with monitoring people. It had everything to do with systematically hunting down Christians It's about continuing to watch, and not just in that moment where they were that, but getting those faces, and then having them being watched continually until something can be manufactured to take those Christians out, to torture them, to kill them, to put them in prison forever. That's what it was about. Sometimes the persecutors are other citizens, neighbors, even family members who do not tolerate Christians, and often enjoy an immunity from police and government officials who just look the other way. At other times, it's actual government itself outlawing, possessing a Bible, confessing a Christian faith, gathering a church service, sharing the gospel. And so while there are many different reasons for persecution, it still comes back to the same result. This map here, it gives you an idea, and you can kind of see all the way to the right, the bottom, the key, in the orange is Buddhist societies, then communist regimes, and the red, yellow, Hindu extremists, green, Islamic society, and then other multiple reasons in some of those other places. It's not just one reason or one religion or one thing, but so many all across the world. When you look at some of these countries, I mean, oftentimes we hear about Muslim persecution of Christians and what goes on. And yet, when you see the world watch list, you don't realize that number 10 on the world watch list is India. And the persecution that's going on in India is not from Muslims. Muslims. The World Watch List, as I mentioned, is uh, something that's updated every year looking at Christians who were targeted, discriminated, persecuted, attacked for their faith. In fact, it comes with 50 countries. There's a, a map, but it was harder to see the map. I figure it's easier to see the countries and their names. The top 50 countries ranked in order, so to speak. where Christians are persecuted for their faith. And once again, at number one, for the 20th year in a row, is North Korea. Their religion, if anything, would be agnosticism. Being discovered as a Christian is a death sentence in North Korea. If you aren't killed instantly, you will be taken to a labor camp as a political criminal. The inhumane prisons have horrific conditions and very few believers make it out alive. Everyone in your family will share the same punishment. Those camps have been reported to be expanded Estimated fifty to 70,000 Christians currently imprisoned there. And those are just the ones that didn't get killed. We need to pray as we think through this. i give you an example. What happens. Often, if anything, a family might get together to have a, a church service, so to speak. At the house, it's not... Ever ideal to have any kind of public gathering, but maybe there's just one bedroom or a small living room. Everybody kind of crowds into the small space. You've got to be vigilant about keeping the noise down. Neighbors easily pick up when something is going on. As in houses in North Korea, they're built close together, the walls are often very thin. Now, sometimes a, a better situation is a home that my family that lives near the woods. And if that's so, then they can hide their copy of the Bible out there. You know, what worship is like for a local believer may be it's after midnight. The two youngest children are sleeping. You sneak out, dig up your Bible, and bring it back inside. The curtain's pulled, and very, very softly... You read to your wife and your 16-year-old son. You've only recently shared the gospel with him. You now he's old enough and wise enough not to accidentally betray you. Of course, he didn't understand the gospel at first, but you're teaching him. You've been praying for years that he'd be ready. But you read the Bible in the dark. You pray. Words are hardly audible. Do you sing in whispers? That's a bold move. In one of the darkest places on earth, North Korea prison camp survivor, hae Woo chose to do something so radical, so dangerous, so Christ-like in the prison. God gave her a heart to tell fellow prisoners about Jesus. Right in the middle of the labor camp, a secret church fellowship began. Recalling Bible verses. They saw the spirit at work it, it, People, she said, they saw the spirit of work in me. I stood out among other prisoners because I helped them. Sometimes I shared my rice with the sick. Occasionally, I washed their clothes too. God used me to lead five people to faith. I tried to teach them the little I knew. I didn't have access to a Bible, but on Sundays at Christmas, we met together out of view of the guards. Usually, meaning in the toilet, there was a short service. Taught some Bible verses and songs. We sang inaudibly so that no one would hear us. You know what? Jesus warned us this would happen. In John chapter 16, in verse 1 through 4, he says, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. This is how we need to pray for them. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you would think they are offering a service to God. That is exactly what is being thought in many places they will do such things because they have not known the father or me I have told you this so that when the time comes you will remember that I warned you about them I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you some of you may be thinking well this is heavy stuff Actually, I hope all of us are thinking that, right? Well, some might be thinking, that like this is too heavy. We really, I don't know, if this is a place to share that, Pastor. I mean, you're kind of being in a downer here. Let me tell you, I'm not even scratching the surface of stuff that could be shared. You're getting the PG when the reality is R. There are things going all over. We just recently heard about Egypt. Let's watch this video that will tell us a little bit more about Egypt.
3: I'm here in Egypt, home of the great pyramids right behind me, the Nile River. Beautiful and markets. It is beautiful. Throughout scripture, Egypt has always been a place of both danger and refuge for God's people. Looking back, back in the Bible, we remember Joseph found favor with God while he was still in prison on his way to becoming a leader of Egypt. We know Moses followed God as he led the people of Israel out of slavery. And then Mary and Joseph fled to Egypt with Jesus to escape the decrees of a murderous king. Today, God is strengthening his people in Egypt, even as it ranks number 16 on the world watch list of most dangerous countries in the world for Christians. Today, believers here face the looming threats of Islamic extremism. They also face daily discrimination for their faith, whether it's in their communities, in their jobs, in their schools, and sometimes even in their homes. We are The that
2: we live in a culture that does not accept our faith because they don't know, they don't understand. So because of that mixed up mindset, because of that distorted image of Christian faith, uh, many Muslims, they they look to Christians.
3: Its but even in the face of this extreme persecution, they have a powerful source of God's strength, and that's your prayers. Throughout scripture, God has delivered his people through what seems almost impossible odds. When you pray for your persecuted family, both here in Egypt and around the world, you remind them that God still does that today. He's still our deliverer.
2: When I share that Christians around the world are praying, Lord, Christians in Egypt, it's a refreshing news. There is a wider family of God that is checking on us, supporting us, praying for us. We do not stand
3: alone. عشان <laughs> I want to encourage you and challenge you to make the persecuted church part of your everyday prayer life. I think it will deepen your faith and will encourage you in ways you never dreamed of, all the while strengthening your persecuted brothers and sisters in their faith. Because we are one church and one family.
0: want to join with them in their suffering, their brothers and sisters in Christ all the world who every moment of their existence, this is what they have to go through. How do we help? What is their greatest need? And you've kind of heard it already. The thing that they ask for most is pray for us, pray for us. Brother Andrew, many of you have heard of that name associated with the persecuted church states our prayers can go where we cannot there are no borders there are no prison walls there are no doors that are closed to us when we pray amen you have a, a bookmark that was given to you tonight today and uh, this is one of the ways. This is something that's listed up here. Uh, that's not what w- the list we're going to be following this morning. This is just another way for you to pray. What I want to encourage us in a, a moment here is uh, to get into some small groups with people around you. Uh, not everybody has to pray. I know sometimes when you ask that it's like, oh man, I'm going to have to pray. No, not everybody has to pray out loud. It, in fact, uh, we're going to go through a number of different requests, and there really will be time for about one, maybe two people to pray out loud. Uh, if you're, And it can be with those you came with or just to uh, turn around and other people right around you. And I'm just going to put those on the screen. I'll read that another minute or so, and then we're going to move on to the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. They give us an idea, one, that we will have prayed but also to give us an idea of some of the ways that we can pray even besides what you see on the, on the bookmark. So um, so let's go ahead and let's ha- arrange yourself however that you want to do that. You want to connect people in front of you, behind you. If you want to just grab that person beside you and say, hey, okay, let's pray to, together with these things. And I don't think after what we've shared already that anybody has to say, do we really have to do this? Right? I think, I think we hopefully, we've, we've got that part. I know there's people, oh man, pastor's making us do something different. We just you know, okay, this is not, this is, this is important. All right, so here we go. Let's begin this with Christians around the world who are imprisoned for the faith, uh, those who are imprisoned. And, and as we pray through these different things, if there's a country that stands out or that God brings to mind, Pray. Along those lines as well. But pray for those who are in prison right now. Pray for this. But let's pray that God would strengthen and protect and encourage all believers who are experiencing that. Encourage them not just in their boldness but in their faith to remain faithful. Continue to pray for that as well. To pray that God's protection, pastors, evangelists, those who are sharing the gospel in these restricted, hostile nations, whoever it might be, that the word would go forth. They're not asking to be spared, but rather that the word of God, the the good news of Jesus. Let's continue to pray for Christian converts, especially those in Islam, but in other places. They're trying to decide when and how to tell family and friends, their followers of Jesus, what they should do, what they should not, how. Help them in that moment. Pray for hope. God's hope. Pray for provision, encouragement. Not, not only of all those Christians who are being persecuted, it, especially during this COVID time, not being able to have what they need, but pray for those family members who are left. There, they're, Oftentimes it's the men and others that are being killed and the women and children left without any means of support. Help them as they live out their family. What we're doing here matters. What we're doing here will make a difference because God to make a difference. Let's pray, in a sense, for two different things together here, for the persecut- persecuted Christians to boldly witness and for persecutors to come to faith. For those who are witnessing and those who are there, even in government officials would come to know Jesus and follow him. Help them to bless those who persecute them and not curse. To not repay anyone evil for evil. To not take revenge but leave room for God's. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Let's finish up this time of prayer by praying for Christians in free nations. Who are not going through this to stand with their persecuted brothers and sisters, for us to stand with them in prayer and beyond. Lord, I just close out this time right now. We don't stop, in a sense, our praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ around this world, but we ask that you would help us to not just remember this moment and this day, this Sunday morning, but to remember our brothers and sisters, those who are in prison, those who are facing persecution, to remember what you have told us to, that you would help us to join with them, rejoice with those, who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Lord, continue to bring this to our mind not just on Sundays but each day and to pray specifically not just Lord that you would bless them but that we would be specific even uh, with some of the things in this uh, prayer bookmark that we have continue to help us in this moment as we look At some of the scriptures you say that our brothers and sisters have grabbed a hold of, but for some reason, either we've not reached for or has slipped through our grasp. Don't let this be the only thing you speak. Speak even in this, Jesus, your name. When we talk about standing with our brothers and sisters, so one of the things that we're going to do is in heaven we're going to be standing with those who are martyred for the faith. If you remember, we read in Revelation so many different times where the martyrs and how we joined with them in the witness. But for some reason, especially in the American Christianity, we have we believe that we deserve and must preserve a safe and comfortable faith. I think that's where the real faith, the normal faith, is a safe, comfortable faith. And unfortunately, what makes us uncomfortable at times is not really persecution. If anything, it's because someone disagrees with us on something or even someone is disagreeable towards us. And hopefully our eyes have been opened up that that's not real persecution, what some have calling and what they're they're experiencing as Christians here. In fact, unfortunately, many of the times of the problems that we have or disagreements are really more about some viewpoint that we have, often political or medical or some other thing, some issue. Well, that's Christian, except you know what? There are people who have nothing to do with Christ who share those same views. What our brothers and sisters in Christ are being persecuted for has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with the name of Jesus and Jesus only as Lord and Savior of their life. The centrality of the faith. Jesus. I know some Christians are, let's face it, it's not persecution for many. It's just inconvenience. 99.9% of the opposition that we get is not going to lead to physical intimidation, actual suffering or death here. What's even more incredible is that we can listen to this today. There can be some listening to this. And the main thought is, you know, that's going to be us someday if we don't do something about it. First of all, it's sad that our first thoughts and our main thoughts are about us. When we just hear this. But second of all, the curious thing is that some reason the Christians here in the West start thinking that we can stand up and that we need to oppose those who are opposing us to stop the persecution before it ever happens. Because why? Well, we're not supposed to suffer. And it's not just that somehow we're stronger than whatever the human forces of evil around us are. We are not recognizing that the battle is not against flesh and blood. We're not recognizing that for most Christians here, we are not experiencing a normal Christian life. Rather, our brothers and sisters all over the world that we just heard about, that we just talked about, they are the ones experiencing the normal Christian life. Jesus talked about what would happen to those who were his followers In John chapter 15 if the world hates you keep in mind it hated me first if you belong to the world it would love you as its own as it is you do not belong to the world but I have chosen you out of the world this is why the world hates you remember I told you a servant is not greater than his master if they persecuted me they will persecute you also if they obeyed my teaching they will obey yours they will treat you in this way because of my name for they do not know the one who sent me that is what Jesus said was awaiting us that is what is normal in fact Philippians chapter 1 verse 29 for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him Not just to believe in him, but to suffer for him Uh, Does that really say that? 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verse 8 so do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me his prisoner But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God What is normal? First Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials, for you know quite well that we were destined for them. This is what is normal, destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And persecuted in a way that is real and true, not in inconvenience and insults that some may receive here. And it turned out that way just as well as we said. Those who want. There are, there are those who want a Jesus who gives them everything but calls them to nothing. But he calls us to so much more. Second Timothy 312. If it's not clear yet, this ought to make it really clear. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Christians in other countries understand this at a very different level than we do. They understand what Jesus calls when he calls us to take up our cross and follow him, to live a life of sacrifice, to be a witness in our faith often can connect to being a martyr for our faith. Our brothers and sisters all across this world are making daily decisions to live for Christ, meaning they may die for Christ. What about us? This same Jesus has the same call for everyone who would be his disciples, denying and dying We read in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, And then he said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. You don't take up your cross to go on a vacation. You don't take up your cross to go sit in a class. You don't take up your cross for so many other things. You take it up for one thing, and that's one thing only, and that is to die. If you're going to follow me, you must carry the cross. Or you cannot be my disciple. A.W. Tozer says we must do something about the cross. One of two things only we can do. Flee it or die upon it. May the challenge today. Be not just to join. Them by praying for them. But to join them in our witness. And who he's called us to do and to be. And to recognize this. And not try to preserve some churchianity that is safe and comfortable. And not full of too many inconveniences. To recognize what the normal Christian life that Jesus calls us to. To make that decision to follow him. In fact, we're going to just sing kind of like they would do a a very simple song in response to this this morning. In closing, I've decided to follow Jesus. And I'm going to purposely ask you to be able to sing it with all you got, but sing it as quiet as you can. Try to think of how they are singing it there. Their heart is so much in, but they can't lift their voice too high. And to make this our decision today.
2: I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go I still will follow though none go with me I still will follow though none go with me I still will
0: decision on this next verse
2: the world behind me the cross before
0: Jesus, there are many of us here who would say that we made a decision to follow you long ago, hopefully not just a decision that you come and save us and give us a place in heaven, but to follow you, and we see by the example of our brothers and sisters what is the normal means. The commitment truly that you ask of us—to be like you, to follow you, and in that to see the world around us changed for you, Lord. As we pray different times for our persecuted brothers and sisters, may they challenge us to step up and to follow you daily denying ourselves and taking up our cross. Lord, I pray that you'd help us in this day as we even go to eat together that we would share with one another that we would yes we, we have there is a purpose as we think about life and all those kind of things with uh, life as far as the, the youth event but may we think about life living for you and what that means to us and be able to salt our conversations with this bless this time bless the food and the, and the time that we have there in Jesus name